have to say that Catherine Hepburn is by far the superior Hepburn. Uh, the like so many people are like Audrey Hepburn fans, and I'm like, police, police, police. Hello there, my name is Orla McNeilis. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And welcome to The Recommendation Game, a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen. We watch them separately and then Skype to discuss them. This week's film is The Philadelphia Story from 1940. This classic romantic comedy focuses on Tracy Lord, a Philadelphia socialite who is split from her husband, C.K. Dexter Haven, due both to his drinking and to her overly demanding nature. As Tracy prepares to wed the wealthy George Kitteridge, she crosses paths with both Dexter and prying reporter Macaulay Connor. Unclear about her feelings for all three men, Tracy must decide whom she truly loves. Dexter, would you mind doing something for me? Anything, what? Get the heck out of here. Oh, my dear Red, I couldn't do that. That wouldn't be fair to you. You need me too much. Would you mind telling me just what it is you're hanging around for? Oh, no, no, no. Please don't go, Mr. Connor. Oh, no, no. Please don't go, Mr. Connor. As a writer, this ought to be right up your street. Don't miss a word. I never saw you looking better, Red. You're getting that fine, tawny look. Oh, we're going to talk about me, are we? Goody. It's astonishing what money can do for people. Don't you agree, Mr. Connor? Not too much, you know. Just more than enough. The film was directed by George Cukor, produced by Mank himself, screenplay by Donald Ogden Stewart, based on The Philadelphia Story, a 1939 play by Philip Barry, starring Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, James Stewart, and Ruth Hussey. Music by Franz Waxman, cinematography by Joseph Ruttenberg, and edited by Frank Sullivan. So, this week's film was picked by Ricardo. It was indeed. Ricardo. Why did you pick this film? Have you seen any George Cukor movies by any chance before? Yeah, I'm fairly sure no, but let me just have uh, a He did the original Star is Born. He did ah. My Fair Lady. Uh, he did Holiday again with Catherine Hepburn and oh. Cary Grant. Uh, he also directed... He did uh, the 1933 Little Women. Yes, uh, he also directed the movie Gaslight, which is the play slash movie where the term gaslighting originated from if you see his filmography i was bringing it forward because uh because he's always been really good at working with actors and mm-hmm. i think philadelphia story not only is like one of the original kind of screwball comedies kind of the time it is completely dependent on the actor's hitting the notes of like this movie with a different cast doesn't work whatsoever and uh, mm-hmm. that was proven by the remake called uh high society that is pretty much the same movie but with the addition of songs <laughs> which is uh like uh the Cary grant role is fred astaire the james stewart role is played by frank sinatra and the Catherine hepburn oh, role no. is uh, by uh grace kelly which is the only one of the three that kind of works. How do you do? I'm Tracy Lord. You must be. Oh, of course you are. I adore strangers. Like, uh, I love Catherine Hepburn so much. Like, I think that you put her in any movie and it makes it better. (sighs) 
even terrible <laughs> movies that she's been in. I suppose that like I uh, for a movie called The Philadelphia Story, we talk a lot about like sense of place and time stuff. This movie has none of it. It's just like let's just get characters yes, into Philadelphia, situations. Kentucky, <laughs> like, yeah, Philadelphia, like it could be Louisiana. <laughs> Yeah, like, it feels like very old world kind of vibe going in. Uh, but at the same time, I suppose that at the time in the 40s, there was, like, this thing about, like, high society. That's why, like, I suppose the, the, the remake is called High Society. I like this movie quite a lot because, like, obviously it's a movie of its time. So, like, the, there are bits of it that obviously mm. haven't aged particularly mm. well. Um, to be honest, in the rewatch, on the rewatch, I thought like there were bits that I didn't get the subterfuge, let's say, on what uh, they were trying to say. There's some like dodgy messaging anyhow, but not as bad as I remembered, let's say. We'll obviously get into that. But I think it's it is a, quite a progressive movie in a way that it is not only does it really give uh, uh, inner life to every female character in the movie, arguably more than any of the male characters. But uh, also that it's like defending divorce at the time and stuff like Mm. fucking like 80. Like there's the last three minutes of the movie. (laughs) Like, I I think that there's like like we'll get to the ending of the movie. But I thought that it was actually quite... um, interesting as an ending like on a rewatch knowing that it was coming that way that i got a bit more of what the movie was intending to do at the time but i think that like also would be impossible to hit you over the head with it because of like Mm. not only the haze code but also fucking 1940 sensibility that you kind of have to like you know grab the ball and drag it like an inch forward rather than try to fucking throw it 20 yards down the field because you're not going to complete the pass. NFL analogies. Like the fact that they even go to say that like they got the marriage annulled, not divorced kind of thing. But then it's the, uh, the other character actually has the divorce. So in a way, it's kind of like we can't have Catherine Hepburn, but showing like... The divorce is okay, and also how Catherine Hepburn is kind of like advocating for her parents to divorce, and they don't. And again, I think that like the messaging there, the first time that I watched it, I thought that it was like, oh, sh- fuck you, movie kind of thing. But watching it on a like on rewatching, which in fairness, this is only the second time that I've seen it. Uh, uh, rewatching it, I got what the movie was trying to say, or I think that I got what the movie was trying to say. Uh, the first time that I watched the movie, I was really happy to watch it now, like with the like the Blu-ray Criterion Collection uh, transfer, because the first mm-hmm. time that I watched it was like uh, the DVD, but the DVD came from like a VHS master. I think oh. and not only like the movie no. looked like somebody had uh, like dragged like the film down the uh-huh. the mud uh, but also more importantly the audio was not really clear and because there wasn't like an option oh, to put English no. subtitles like you missed uh, like I missed a lot of the like really tiny moments of dialogue that actually mm. make like not on scene by scene let's say but it, it, it changes the overall picture of the movie if you miss those lines 
And I think that like uh, it was quite fascinating watching it again and going like, oh, I didn't cop that, but not because I was a dumb fuck, even though I was. But uh, <laughs> it was more the just not in that situation. And this is a movie that really relaxes you into it. Like I think that it really works because everybody's at the top of their game. You know, like Cary Grant is being just Cary Grant. Jimmy Stewart <laughs> is like. I, I think for you it'd be like the right level young Jimmy Stewart because we ha- we've had the you, you like old Jimmy but young Jimmy was a bit annoying that uh, in this case I think it is like kind of like because the character is kind of like is young but beaten down by life it's kind of He's like kind of playing he, against type as well for that for young Jimmy Stewart uh oh Blisk what did I tell you look how do you like this Living room, sitting room, terrace, pools, stables. That's probably so they can talk to the horses without having them in the house. Don't, Mike. Yes? Uh, this is the bridal suite. Would you send up a couple of caviar sandwiches and a bottle of beer? What? Who is this? Yeah, this is the voice of doom calling. Your days are numbered to the seventh son of the seventh son. Oh. I think the movie is like just the right side of being like romantic and cheesy. You see like movies that came afterwards that they're too quippy, if anything, and they're enjoyable and everything. But you don't have what this movie was able to do. That is like it's almost like a hangout movie the way that like we were talking. We did um, Rio Bravo. It's Mm. similar to that, that there's like like a. the simplest semblance of a plot to tie all these characters together and just you spend a weekend with them and that's what you need kind of thing and i think it's like if the film has uh like a weakness is that it takes like about 15 minutes for the three characters to be in the same place at the same Mm. time that like uh, uh on the rewatch was like come on just get them sparking where you know, the like, fuck is jimmy stewart <laughs> it doesn't do what a lesser movie would do that is like play up the fact that like these people know that these people are lying or whatever for very long it's not kind of like even whenever you're like i had I, I hadn't remembered that like she was like uncle willie this is my father and then like father's <laughs> uncle willie there could have been like all sort of hijinks about like uh <laughs> Uh, mixed personalities blah 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 but uh even though like if made today it would be incredibly problematic the the uncle willie characters like it's actually play like he's a, a painter yeah like but the movie makes a point that he's disgusting in a way like even the way that like it lingers on her face whenever he's been like hanging around her that is like this is a not normal and b fucked and that he gets away because he's like a rich dude and he's blatantly creepy also he's not married which sort of at least there's no her bedraggled wife having to like you know put up with that shit yeah to him while he's off like pinching people Uh, and i think like the like in the uh some modern reviews that i read before like they were criticizing that it's like oh sexism and it's like i suppose that it's more like presentation of what society was at the time rather than like confirmation (laughs) from the filmmakers the like i think that for movie of the 40s the movie goes as far as it can to say that he is like 
like a creepo kind of thing that people just put <laughs> up with him because he's the rich guy that throws parties like Gatsby esque parties or whatever. I think the whole party scene until five a.m. <laughs> on that move that like again like uh, I think so that tired. two of the things that the movie does better than a lot of films and I think like even modern movies it's very rare for a movie to a depict people drunk people as well as this movie does and b mm-hmm. th- depict hangovers as good well as this movie does and <laughs> um, both gave me incredible pleasure and also incredible like the fear whenever they wake up the next morning so and they're like fear. oh man do you want like a, a a shot of alcohol or whatever to like keep you going like a, a, yes. an eye, eye opener? I think that they they, they call it. They're all very like uh, very blatantly. Their ages are very clearly described, which is obviously in and around our age because they're all like 30, 32. And it's just like, oh, no, I know what those hangovers are like. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, and, uh, Alex actually described how, like, whenever uh, noticed the typical Hollywood at the time, because Catherine Hepburn was only like 32 when this movie came out. And yeah. you can tell her close ups that they're like slathering the lens with Vaseline to hide her age. <laughs> but like, uh, at no other point in the movie, there's any kind of like fogginess in the lens. It's clearly like some producers, like, oh, like. Uh, Let's make sure that Is people that don't think a she's a single... fucking granny or something, you know? <laughs> well, she's got like three more years before she has to play the mother character. So let's just make sure we can't see it even one crow's foot. <laughs> High society and other movies at the time, whenever you spend this much time like with rich people, and it's not like in the way of succession, let's say, that it's just like terrible rich people, you have to be really like charming. And also like I like how it acknowledges the fact that their existence is not the real world and any time that they that like for example how Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart acknowledge that everything has been fixed for Catherine Hepburn not but not because she's a woman it's like Cary Grant says it but with the experience that also he knows that he himself never had to go through the same thing and do you even know where the library is well yes my father built it yes <laughs> But yeah, like, um, without further ado, like, um, what did you think of the Philadelphia story? Uh, it was full. I saw it in multiple places described as a, one of the first comedy of remarriage genre. And I love that that's a whole genre by itself, as in, like, it's all going to end up wrapped up in them getting remarried at the end. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a riot along the way. And, uh, yeah, this really is a joke of minutes. Jesus Christ. Um, I I laugh pretty much constantly, like, if not full out laughing, like little chuckles, because it's just it is an absolute pleasure to watch. <laughs> I really love, like... Um, but I take it, like, I was a little, because I, I didn't know a whole lot about this film. And then whenever I uh, went to go find it to put it on, I was like, oh, okay, I kind of have more. I sort of vaguely remember this film. But um, uh, I was a bit concerned, maybe, because I rewatched a lot of movies of that era, stuff like um, His Girl Friday, which is another comedy of rematch. Oh, man, yeah. Like, I was going to mention that. <laughs> I watched Ooh. that for the first time a few, like, a few months ago. Um, oh, and I was no. like oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> Ooh. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Not all the comedy of remarriage films are diamonds, let's say, uh, or that they don't quite hold up to any scrutiny whatsoever. But uh, yeah, in saying that, that movie is also uh, very, very quippy, um, but also has the uh, <laughs> what I'm going to describe as 1940s exposition, uh, which is usually that is like just. <laughs> yeah. Somebody picking up the phone and telling you the whole story is like, did you hear about, she's back. And it's always always like your publisher, usually your publisher is explaining the whole story to you. But what I love about um, the scene with uh, Jimmy Stewart and uh, his lovely lady and and the publisher is that they're explaining the plot to him basically but like they're taking it in turns to like throw a sentence in (laughs) it's like (laughs) who you may know as his ex-husband or as his (laughs) ex-wife that's like you know wink 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 and jimmy stewart's like oh no uh (laughs) uh yeah uh have to say um didn't hate jimmy stewart uh find him quite charming uh find him almost attractive um (laughs) Good old Jimmy. The cast, yeah, like it's it's because he is just different enough and also very world weary, which um, you know, like you've all met that person who is themselves almost more of a snob than the rich people are. It's like, shut up, Jimmy Stewart. It's like you know, he's he's just I'm just I'm just too good to be here doing this article. Um, but yeah, the cat the cast is fantastic. Um, especially Catherine Hepburn. Oh my goodness. Um, mostly because she's no, no one looks like Catherine Hepburn or sounds like Catherine Hepburn. Like the woman really is like she was just an enigma. Um, but she also has with chemistry with everyone on screen. Like it doesn't matter who she's talking to. Like even her and uh, and her sister, uh, <laughs> child actor. <laughs> Surprisingly, not as annoying as but, it could have been. They kind of get away with it because the whole thing, you know, it rattles along and she has lots of really great lines as well. Um, and like the one big sort of silly theatrical scene is meant to be theatrical because it's her like doing her whole French thing and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, Hepburn, like, <laughs> I love the whole thing. <laughs> she's not like other girls. She's a sexy statue. <laughs> She's described as a statue so many times as well, and I was like, "Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because the film says a lot about like Catherine Hepburn herself, but also like obviously this made like comes out in nineteen forty, so it's not nineteen forties femininity; it's more sort of nineteen thirties femininity. Um, but yeah, her her is kind of like cold and unattainable. Um, I didn't realize that. Uh, this was sort of a big comeback movie for her because she'd done a few major flops. Uh, one of which was bringing up baby. I was like, really? That was a flop. <laughs> there you go. That's such um, a good movie, and that was with Cary yeah, Grant as well. I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I didn't realize that she um, they wrote the play like the the character Tracy was written with her in mind and then she was in the play and that was quite instrumental in getting this made and I think she 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 put money behind it possibly but um the director uh possibly directed the first film she was ever in or one of her early movies or something but she had a really good relationship with him so well, he did holiday she, 1938 with both herself and Cary Grant so I think that yeah you've seen uh, the uh, have you seen the avi- aviator 
with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. No, don't think so. Because like Kate Blanchett uh, plays Catherine Hepburn in that movie, and she does a very solid job. Like, which uh, seems, which seems like I can completely. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to. Um, is there anyone else I would envision in that role? But that's a very good estimation. I love her. Yeah, like, and I think that she did a really good job of like not doing just an imitation because with a character mm-hmm. like with a person like Catherine Hepburn that has a very specific way of talking. There's like a, a tendency in and movies standing, that and you, walking. Yeah, that you try to and wearing do, dresses. Oh yes, I love Catherine Hepburn. Or not wearing dresses. She doesn't wear an awful lot of dresses. That's yeah, the thing power her. suits. She loved, her, she loved her slacks and she loved her. Um, uh, she loved her shoulders, uh, <laughs> her high and wide shoulders. I have to say but that like, Catherine like... Hepburn is by far the superior Hepburn. Uh, the, like so many people are like Audrey Hepburn fans, and I'm like, please, please. I think whenever you're like, I'm assuming Catherine Hepburn was five eleven at the very least. The woman carries herself like she has a lot of height on her, but uh, I feel like when you have cheekbones for like that level of cheekbone that you can you can really carry any outfit, and she really carries a lot of outfits in this film because. For, the library scene in particular where she's kind of looking like um uh, a christmas carol at one point where she's got like a sort of a little hat on and like she's only wearing the outfit for maybe 30 seconds um when she's in the library where she very rapidly falls in love with jimmy stewart but um she was uh <laughs> five foot seven was she yes goodness gracious i in my head she's 5'11 i don't know why it, yeah, yeah. I think maybe just her her physique or something. Or maybe she was always wearing heels. I don't know. Or maybe the fact that like the clothes that she often wore, like that the the kind of the pantsuits and stuff, like they make her they make her legs they go all the way down to the floor. Um, Apparently, she was uh, one seventy two, and Spencer Tracy it was one seventy seven. And when she met him, Tracy made Catherine a pass Hepburn on him. is happy. Uh, Spencer Tracy made a move on her and she said to him I'm afraid I'm too tall for you to which Tracy replied don't worry Miss Hepburn I'll soon soon cut you down to my size and they had a lovely secret but not so secret Hollywood romance Uh, yeah I love her she she is the definition of fabulous Um, yeah I do I just say um, I really enjoyed this film but uh, it it's a bit squirmy at times um there's a lot of casual wife beating jokes um well that bit is what something <laughs> like one of the things that i mentioned uh did, yeah. did not age uh well at all uh it's it's yeah it's uh it's conflicting because obviously like if they made that movie now like no i would they wouldn't open with like him like it's like doesn't quite hit her just sort of like shoves her to the floor but then we have the shot of her like comically kind of like oh um yeah like it's uh, what i don't like about it is yes like they they do it for laughs which bothers me because i know it's the 1940s but as i was thinking about it i was like like we've watched a few like Powell and pressburger movies and I don't think they would have done it just for the crack or just for the laughs. Like, it feels sort of cheap 
because it doesn't really add anything other than because the movie sort of sets up Catherine Hepburn's character as like you know she sort of needs to be cut down a little bit and it's almost like she sort of deserved it and that her flaws and his flaws in their marriage were like equal and that in the end she sort of atones for her sins and no one else does well like and uh, like I'd uh, argue that for like I forgot and whenever he, at the end I was like please don't drink Cary Grant because like mm. he never mentions it but he atones to the fact that like he changed his entire life because of what Catherine Hepburn told him because he had oh, no yeah, reason yeah. to stop drinking especially after they got divorced or whatever but he separated separated that he <laughs> uh, but he realized that she was right but the thing is because mm-hmm. of the the thing of society is that he didn't have to apologize to anybody else beside her and by like changing his behavior even like bring her her a drink and not being tempted to drink himself or come back mm-hmm. that he gets offered a drink like numerous times throughout the movie and the movie makes a point that he goes like no like i i know how i get there and he I th- went to south america he found himself and he came back <laughs> and i think that the movie makes uh uh the the point that everybody else is telling her that she has to cut down to size kind of thing that she's to be broken down or whatever but i think that uh, the part with uh with carrie grant is that like she just had to realize that he was able to like change himself because mm. he did so like, he's pissed off that she didn't see yeah. that on him and like, even though like he says it like that's bits that this is the bits that i was missing let's say i missed quite a bit whenever i watched it the first time because of the dialogue being so quick and the audio of the version that i saw so bad that like the scene mm. in the bathhouse like in the changing rooms and the swimming pool whenever he mm. gives her the the boat red you could be the finest woman on this earth i'm contemptuous of something inside of you you either can't help or make no attempt to your so-called strength your prejudice against weakness your blank intolerance is that all that's the gist of it because you'll never be a first-class human being or a first-class woman until you've learned to have some regard for human frailty it's a pity your own foot can't slip a little sometime. But your sense of inner divinity wouldn't allow that. This goddess must and shall remain intact. Like he's saying it as in like getting pissed off with her and saying mean things the way that we do when we're having an argument, like going a little bit too far. But the the root thing is like this disappointment that she didn't see in him the strength to be able to change the way that he did. And he almost mm. does it to prove to her, like he's almost coming back and showing off that he's able to change, you know, like, uh, and not he's trying to, to get involved. reunion and like, yeah, I'm a surgeon. <laughs> and I like also that he at no point is trying to get her back. Yeah. Like he's not forcing himself in the situation. It's almost like he just wants to show that he was right all along if she had given him a chance. Um, I think that's why... Because uh, the whole way to the film, I was like, she's, they're going to end up back together, like 100%. Like, there's no... But, like, the movie doesn't press on it. At the same time, all the other relationships are very... They're given enough time. Like, I think it's good that this movie's, like, an hour and 50 minutes or whatever. But um, I think that 
like what you just said is why um I the, the ending although I find it a little bit like rushed and a bit sort of like oh tie it all up in a neat bow but uh I I like that they end up together not just because it's like you know romantically satisfying but also because uh he's the one who like knows her best but also is willing to like take her as she is whereas like obviously George is you know her George but uh <laughs> he was he was never the guy um but then also that Jimmy Stewart because you think like you know oh he's he's like the mix of the two of them because he's like you know but at the same time he's just infatuated he's like he's he's in love with her and then all in a very like surface way that seems romantic but ultimately like you know he's he's as flawed as the other two guys are so like whatever she's like first of all you know <laughs> no i'm sorry jimmy stewart also i don't think your lady would like it um, <laughs> um so i do I, I like that they end up together because it feels right even though there's a little sour taste of but 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 he hit her that time also apparently in the play it's much more like you don't see him do anything but they they, you know, it's described as socking in the movie, but also in the actual play, it is very much implied that he does hit her, which is... No, no, but no. Like, I'm glad that they kind of, like, yeah. uh, reduced it down to just, like, a, a push yeah. and kind of implied that that's the only time that it happened. Yeah, that this is sort of like the big... Uh, after she snaps his wooden golf clubs. <laughs> uh, I do have to say, though, just, just on the final point of the... Um, the 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 man kind of getting away with it it's it's very much like the dad character because like i love you dad like even though you blamed me for your cheating it's like i actually <laughs> i actually like have an argument for this that even like uh whenever i watched the I'm first time of you. the first Ooh. time that i watched it i thought that it, it was like i was especially pissed off that the the wife stayed with him like her mom stayed with him after like that he's cheating and openly having this kind of like oh don't get in between a, a man's affair and his wife kind of attitude i think that like him blaming his daughter is more that he's blaming himself in a way because his daughter like in the is vein him. of Catherine Hepburn is the way that he should have been whenever he was younger that mm. like i think it's one of those bits of screenwriting that it's like it's not what he's saying it's what he's not saying and what the movie is saying in a way is that mm. there's three types of marriage let's say that uh, and the movie represents the three the one that you're doing just because it's the quote-unquote right marriage like Catherine Hepburn marrying uh George the the rich guy or whatever well, the, the new money guy, although he's called George Kitteridge, yeah. which is a very fancy name for a like guy who worked in the mines. But like oh, we used to take coal together. <laughs> but uh, the uh, you have the marriage that is like the one that you have the marriage type that she's about to embark with. Then you have the marriage that uh, I suppose and I suppose that is the marriage that her parents have. That they got the the right marriage, let's say, but it's the wrong mm. marriage individually. So it's the kind of thing that you put a blame on anybody else, and in a way, you can't blame the wife because then you're blaming yourself because you both got into it together. So mm. then you blame society, you blame your daughter, you blame this, that, and the other, 
and the mom is doing the same, not blaming him, it's blaming the dancer, mm. it's blaming this or whatever. And she's almost like forced by Catherine Hepburn to blame the dad kind of thing. And uh, and I think it's because they got into that marriage and realizing that they screwed up their entire lives and futures because like for them, divorce is not an option. So you just have mm. to like have a procession until you die of faking it uh, the, or having the fear oh, of... Uh, uh, having the fear of a scandal as they do in the in the movie you know and then the second type of marriage would be the one that uh jimmy stewart and quote-unquote his lady uh that jimmy stewart would have gotten into with catherine hepburn if she had said yes that is this moment of infatuation that you think that you love the person to no end, but you don't truly know them. And then after you got married, you realize that it was a mistake and it could be like like a dangerous mistake in a way. The way that uh, the photographer alludes to like this guy that used to be like, what is it? Like a restaurant? Like uh, Oh, he's like a hardware store clerk or yeah, something. Yeah, ma- a hardware store manager or something that... <laughs> She alludes to the fact that it's like it was a really bad decision. But I think that it's also why she takes Jimmy Stewart back, even though he just proposed to another woman in front of her, is the fact that she she did exactly the same. And then it's like, oh, he got it out of his system now. Yeah, I feel like it's not like she's not surprised by his behavior either maybe that she's kind of like you know he had one of these in him <laughs> you know like even whenever like but ultimately uh, he's not he's not the like fair weather lover as in like where it falls hard and then like ultimately drops out or blames the other person for the feet that initial hit not being there anymore um it's like she kind of sees what he really is which was maybe a little and she's the only character that knows exactly what what the uh, DL is like uh, throughout the movie. Like, uh, I think that she suspected that it's like Catherine Hepburn is going to marry Cary Grant tomorrow because she keeps saying like stuff like I'm not yeah. worried because yeah. like uh, he's like head over heels with a woman that is going to get married tomorrow. But like if it is the case that like she was marrying your man, George, it's like it make no difference because you can continue to have a little bit of a fucking soiree in the swimming pool and singing over the rainbow as you walk by. On the very eve of your wedding, an affair with another man. I told you I agreed, George, and I tell you again, good riddance to me. Tracy, your attitude is a little difficult to understand. Yes, I can see that it would be. Not necessarily. You keep out of this. You forget I am out of it. Kettridge. It may interest you to know that this so-called affair consists of exactly two kisses and a rather late swim. Thanks, Mike, but there's no All of which I thoroughly enjoyed and the memory of which I wouldn't part with for anything. But I like also that the movie doesn't make it out to be that they're in financial difficulty, so uh, she should marry this rich guy. It's more that she, Mm. even getting in the wrong type of marriage, is trying to do something different like marry not it's not like about it, money yeah or or it's or not even that like she's damaged because she's separated so she has to marry somebody else for you know the optics or whatever it's more that she's trying to be something that she's not 
and she's trying to fix herself through this other dude. And that's the only problem I have with the messaging of the movie because I don't know if it is uh, intentional or not. Because, like I said, even if perhaps it's not the it wasn't the intention of the filmmakers. The way that I read the movie was that like it was a message about like marrying, like the marriage to be like between people that really should be married rather than either rushed or done because of it's the expedient thing to do, um, mm. which I appreciate. But at the same time, the movie kind of goes like uh, everybody should marry people within their own social and economical circle. Jimmy Stewart, you married that poor painter. Yeah, also that like the one character who's like super duper anti upper class people ends up becoming like he's like yes I'll marry you like by the end of the movie and it's like what happened to your convictions Jimmy Stewart I think maybe he quite enjoyed the fact that they have like a swimming pool and a little changing room and when you come out there's just magically orange juice there well like it's part of also why I think that um uh his his what's her name again Liz Liz yeah the Liz takes him back is the fact that it's not only that he's been seduced by Catherine Hepburn, he's been seduced mm. by the whole environment that he's in. And I suppose it's like, the, I think it's interesting that she's the photographer and he's the guy writing rather than the other two way around. Because the writer mm. kind of like always gets involved a little bit more in the story. While the photographer is more observing what's going on. So Ricardo, uh, what was your favorite thing? And why was it the boat? <laughs> Um, I think it's the um, the script and the acting, but I think it's like you couldn't get away with the I don't know. It's like a mixture. It's like the performances of the performance of the script, I suppose, because like I said, if you just wrote the script and fucking put any other like actors in it, the movie doesn't work. I think that you need these people to be in this movie. And that's it. Uh, but like the script, like you said, is like a mile a minute kind of jokey, but super quippy. But it's the kind of like, it's not trying to be jokey at the same time. It's just funny. It's not like set up and punchline. It's just like clever dialogue. So whenever it's like not something that, you know, like when you're watching a, another type of comedy and the punchline doesn't land, you're like, uh, you had this kind of like really... Mm weird and comfortable it's like no move on move on yeah like this movie <laughs> doesn't do it so like yeah and because the dialogue is not built around making jokes it's just that like they're funny bits within the dialogue that whenever it's like a line that is not funny you don't know if it's a joke that failed or just dialogue you know is it the opposite of snl yeah because in the last 15 years <laughs> or ever like it's like the structure of it i suppose but like but yeah, in this God, case i think so that also it's kind of like really hard to speak as fast as like it, it, it his good girl friday is a good example how bad that can go because like even Cary grant in that movie i was like oh man this is just annoying like that they're just like quipping each other but going like a mile a minute and it's like look how cool we are blah 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 blah, blah. and then it's like so fucked up also the politics in the movie and uh, considering that uh, 
the heroes are terrible in the movie and but carried him in the cupboard. But also like I think that the movie really made a mistake of like making a play that is like about two male characters and then like added a romance. Like the the remake of the play, uh, I think it's called the front page. It's with Walter Matto and Jack Lemmon, which I wish there was a romance oh. in that between the two because like all the like fucking grumpy old men needed was for them to hold hands and kiss at the end. Uh, because really, grumpy old men one and two is really a romantic story about two men that don't realize that they're well. Besides the point, um, we need more movies and TV shows like that, though. <laughs> but this movie, I think that um, it's the pacing of the script itself as well. But, you know, like, and I suppose, like, you had to give credit to George Cooker because he was so good with actors. So he mm. was able to, like, it's that kind of directing the, you know, like a lot of times when you're like uh, watching a movie, especially of that time, it just feels like lazy filmmaking when you put like a camera and there's like three people in the camera just standing there talking. And then it's like, oh, that's so lazy, old-fashioned filmmaking. But when you have fucking Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant, the fucking Catherine Hepburn, just put the camera in need, and let them do it. You don't need to move the camera. Like, absolutely not. Like, just put them on a stage. Like, put them on a sound stage and that. just let them go. That's You don't need the fluff around it. Like, what, What's your favorite thing? Um, my favorite thing is... Um, it, yeah, it's it's the script. Okay, it's two parters. So the script and how it's performed, um, mostly because uh, this kind of pace of of dialogue and and jokes and and just like clever writing, um, it it needs to be like you need to be able to follow it, and it needs to be fun to follow. If you know what I mean, like like the best Sorkin. <laughs> where you're like you only you know you know what they're talking about they don't seem like they're know-it-alls and you know it's it's like warm and you love the characters and like it's like and that's what this movie is it's like you never you're never confused about what's going on or what they're talking about or who they're talking about and often they're talking about like a past that you haven't seen that they're just discuss they're describing so you need to be able to like you know imagine Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant yes uh, together <laughs> you need to be able to imagine them married you need to, be able to marry imagine them on the boat and they are able to like show that through just those conversations in the back and forth and like if if, if it didn't work it would just fall apart immediately like you know one bad scene in this and the whole thing just goes off the rails and she was yeah um yeah uh yeah man i mean like i i hate the whole like yachts and boats and all that fucking bullshit but at the same time like there's something very romantic about the way they talk about just the true love. Uh, that is the one where you're like, I think they're going to get together. Um, <laughs> true love, Mark II. Uh, but my other favorite thing is Catherine Hepburn, not just because she's fabulous, but um, I don't think I've seen enough Catherine Hepburn movies. And I sort of know her by reputation and like through like images of her rather than having seen many of her films, which is kind of... I highly, highly recommend Shame. for you to watch The African Queen. Uh, later on, it's, uh, uh, we watched it recently, uh, Alex and I, so like, that's why I'm recommending that you can do it outside the world. And both her and Bogart are so good in it. Uh, it's also one of the 
first Hollywood movies to go and film on location in a place like Africa. It looks amazing. Uh, there are some like dodgy studio work there as well, but like it's kind of like interesting. Uh, like famously, Houston uh, was more interested in going hunting uh, whenever they weren't shooting than making the movie. So it's quite impressive that the movie came out <laughs> as good as it did. Uh, that's beside the point. Uh, what's your least favorite thing? It's got to be the, the like weird, jokey domestic violence thing. Because um, I think you're right about Uncle Willie because uh, like I don't think the movie thinks he's very funny. Like he's you know you know or that it's it's more just like he that I'm, I'm like he's like yucky and stuff. But at the same time, like you know, like that's fine and you know it is a movie of his time and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's just. I don't like that the little sister says it as well, that she's like, you know, oh, maybe he'll, you know, and he also makes the, like, writers and drinking joke, and I was just like, oh, no. Um, but at the same time, like, it's not, it didn't completely take away from my enjoyment of the film, so it wasn't like, you know, cut off a life support entirely. Um, what was your least favorite thing? Well, uh, I agree with you. Like, I think it's the bits that didn't age well, like that. Mm. And to be honest, if you wanted to have that in the movie, considering also how many times they say that they grew up together, they could put mm. it. They could have just said something that is like they always been beating the shit out of each other, but it's like mutual kind of thing, and kind of like mess fighting. Rather than uh, uh, whatever, yeah, it's and like it could kids, be, yeah. and it could be that like they always did it, but then when he did it there, it's kind of like one of those things that because it's like something that you're used to, but then you just cross a tiny line, and instead of like mess hitting each other he hit you hit properly and then it's like it's a bigger like there, it's a, yeah. a a smaller line to cross, let's say for the character than to like smack out of nowhere somebody you know and i think considering that the background is there so and they grew up together so you know like you could be like brother and sister kind of like you know like brothers kick the mm -hmm. shit out of each other all the time and as as long as it's not something that it is like really like bullying or like one-sided mm -hmm. You know, like you, well, you can imagine her being quite a quite the little tomboy. Yeah, let's say, exactly. She was like, yeah, or even like so. if they said like a line like, or even in the movie, if she had hit him with the clubs, like it wouldn't make it right, let's say, but it would make it a little bit like easier to swallow as a twenty twenty one audience. Then it's like yeah. she has the clubs right there, like she smacked him in the shin, and he just pushed her out, and then she gets hurt. It's kind of like. Mm -hmm okay there you like you know you get it or even if it's like fighting for the clubs and then he pushes her because she he doesn't want her to be breaking the clubs or something so he's like accidentally hurting her still not good not defending <laughs> it but easier to swallow than, than like just like yeah. uh, grabbing her by the mouth and pushing her back it's funny actually never at any point did i even think to be annoyed by jimmy stewart so there you go um, <laughs> that was the philadelphia story uh thank you ricardo it was very enjoyable thank you and, uh, uh i'm glad that you enjoyed it it would have been a very uh strange and disappointing ooh. podcast if you hadn't yeah indeed 
Uh, no, no, I really did. It, it, it was very good company last night. Um, so if they want to uh, see more of our, or listen to more of our episodes and see me share the posters for those episodes, uh, where can they find us? They can find us on Twitter, The Recommendation Game, at The Rec Game, actually. Uh, Facebook, The Recommendation Game. The email is The Recommendation Game at gmail.com. Uh, they can listen to us live-ish uh Digital radio every monday every second monday 11 to 12 and uh yeah that's it i think and uh what's next week's well next following weeks weeks, (laughs) (laughs) we're doing a super duper special episode uh long-term listeners will remember that we used to do these in the before time when it was someone's birthday or if we had a guest on we would do a special episode uh sometimes of one that we'd already seen so it is my birthday and we are picking 2006's the guardian because there is a man who lives beneath the sea uh <laughs> cool well until then i was Orlando and i was ricardo deacon thanks for listening see you in two weeks time <laughs>